Welcome to Virtual School Assembly. I'm your host, Tyler Christensen. I'm a productivity speaker, author, and classroom teacher. Here at Virtual School Assembly, I interview Hollywood celebrities, professional athletes, Olympians, speakers, and educators who share messages of inspiration, education, and hope to better prepare you for an ever-changing and uncertain world. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Welcome back to Virtual School Assembly. Today, our guest is Angelica Resnick. Angelica is an Olympian competing in rhythmic gymnastics in London uh, during the 2012 Games. She earned a bronze medal at the first Youth Olympic Games in 2010 and is a five times Pan American Games medalist. Resnick is a 2017 graduate of Ryerson University. And I just discovered this. She's also a social media influencer. She has some cool videos up on TikTok as well as a bunch of stuff on Instagram. So we'll talk more about that later. But first, Angelica, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm so excited for this interview. Yeah, I'm excited too, because I love gymnastics, but I don't know as much about it as I wish I knew. So let's start with a little tutorial. You do rhythmic gymnastics, or you did in the Olympics, but you also do aesthetic gymnastics. Can you kind of talk us through what those... uh, what that form of gymnastics is and how they differ? Okay, so I think I'll start out by kind of explaining what gymnastics is because there are many different types. So uh, at the uh, Olympic Games, there are three types of gymnastics actually. So there's what I did, which is rhythmic gymnastics. And there's artistic gymnastics, which is the flipping one and very exciting. And the men do it as well. Uh, In my sport in rhythmic gymnastics, it's only women. And there's also trampoline. So that's also a type of gymnastics. But I've only really trained in rhythmic gymnastics, which is um, the one with the ribbon, the ball, the hoop, and the clubs, and the rope. And we call that apparatus. And we incorporate different uh, elements, flexibility, um, like balances, turns, jumps. And of course, you have the ribbon and the ball and everything else that you have to throw and work with at the same time as doing all these movements. And um, what I currently do now is actually called aesthetic group gymnastics, which is not in the Olympics, but I do still represent Team Canada and I compete at World Cups and World Championships. And that sport is kind of similar to rhythmic gymnastics, but it's different in the sense that it does not have the ribbon, the hoop and the clubs, the apparatus that I just mentioned. So we don't have that, it's kind of freehand but the movements is the same. Uh, so in rhythmic gymnastics, we have kind of the solos, the individual athletes, and we have the group category, which I did at the Olympics. So for rhythmic gymnastics, I was very used to being in the team. And for me, transition, transitioning to aesthetic group gymnastics, which is only team-based. So you compete together as a team between ranging from six up to 10 girls. Uh, for me, it was just an easy transition because I love the whole team aspect, and that is what I currently do. And um, it's also really good because when you uh, kind of get older with age, rhythmic gymnastics is a little more strenuous on the body. Um, there are injuries, and it's a little also more time-consuming, whereas in aesthetic gymnastics, I'm able to train slightly less and um, kind of be able to take care of my body and prevent injuries. Really cool. So I think a lot of kids, when we're super young, you know, when we're learning how to do somersaults and and cartwheels and things like that, 
those that's kind of the beginnings of gymnastics for a lot of kids and then they either go to classes or or get a coach and, and things like that but not very many go on to compete in gymnastics whether that be any of those forms that you mentioned earlier so for you as a kid where did you transition from just playing and having fun as a kid to becoming a competitive gymnast yeah so actually i have an interesting story so i was actually born in kazakhstan and around the age of two years old, uh, my family, we immigrated to Israel and I lived there a couple of years. And only when I was about eight years old, we moved to Canada. And when I was 10 years old, that's when I started training rhythmic gymnastics. So it's a, it is a very late age because uh, in rhythmic gymnastics and artistic gymnastics, uh, you tend to achieve higher results at a very young age. And it is a sport where you can't really do it up to the age of 50 or 40, like most other right. sports. So it is very important to usually start at a very young age. And I sort of didn't have this advantage, but um, somehow I think my uh, work ethic persevered. And even though I was only 10 years old, I was still able to go to the Olympics and kind of achieve, achieve my sport dreams. But um, the way I actually got into rhythmic gymnastics is my mom back in Kazakhstan did it uh as when she was young oh, and cool. yeah so i also actually have an identical twin sister and she was training with me and we did start training together um we competed most of our lives together except the only difference is that unfortunately she didn't go with me to the olympic games in 2012 but she did compete with me in the youth olympic games where we won a bronze medal together and um, so I've kind of been tra training by her side and like, enjoyed my life. And she still does aesthetic gymnastics with me today. Um, so yeah, my mom decided um, that uh, it's time to kind of have an extracurricular activity after school and just kind of do it for fun. It was never intended to, you're going to compete, uh, you're going to represent Canada. Like that was never the intention. She actually didn't want that for us. But um we just started training for fun, for fun and we started provincials like uh, competing on the, on the provincial level and within four years of training we've uh, ended up at the youth olympic games <laughs> wow so that was back in in 2010 and it's not totally uncommon in gymnastics as you mentioned earlier um a lot of gymnasts peak you know as young as 15 16 years old it's not uncommon to see an olympic gymnast that's that young um, yeah. So for you, it sounds like that was similar. Were you then 14 when you went to the, the youth uh, Olympic Games? Yeah. Wow. Um, what was that like being a 14-year-old and doing international competitions? I mean, was it crazy traveling around the world and doing that, that kind of stuff? Yeah. So at that age, we weren't actually traveling this much. We would travel to maybe um, have like a training camp. But when you're young, you don't travel as much because you also have school and then you're young. Um, but we did, uh, I think 20, uh, uh, 2009 was probably our first, my first year ever competing internationally. Mm -hmm. And that was actually in Cuba, which was our, uh, Pan American championships where we qualified to compete at the Olympics. So we had to place first in North and South America, which we did. And we ended up qualifying for the first ever youth Olympics. And that was, um, I think now I look back at it, you probably, uh, you don't realize it as a young athlete, kind of like how major it is and um, kind of the whole aspect of it. And because when you compete and when we were there, um, we just kind of did it for, I personally love training and competing. 
So right. for me, it was just that excitement of I get to compete in front of a bigger crowd. And it was just so exciting for me. Huh. Well, that's incredible. Um, yeah, I, I guess it is different when we're adults when you went to Cuba and then Singapore the next year and, and started doing those competitions. As an adult, I would just be excited just to be there. But for you, it was like your job, you know, you had trained for it, you're working hard. And so you're focused on the competition. And that totally makes sense. Now, you were young, and you were juggling a lot of things between school and competition and other things. What were some of the things that you did in order to, you know, maintain your academics while also excelling um, athletically? Yeah, I would say that was definitely a huge challenge because uh, even after high school, I went to university right away and I, I, well, I was a full-time student and I was a full-time athlete. Uh, but I think um, sport really teaches you discipline and I am really thankful for that. But um, when you have a really set routine and schedule and you kind of have everything outlined, like I go to school, uh, I eat, I go to practice and I do homework and I go to bed. And that was my routine for many, many years. And of course, you have to make so many sacrifices with that. So I couldn't go out with my friends after school, hang out. I couldn't really join like the clubs at school or uh, sports teams at school. So that was one of the sacrifices you do have to make. Um, I obviously um, don't regret any of my decisions. And I'm so happy for sport. I got to do that because now that um, I'm not training as intensely or I'm not in school anymore, I still have time to do every, every, everything else that I still missed out on, mm -hmm. uh, which is really nice. So I think having a schedule and kind of um, in a way not being lazy and putting it off, just always getting it done. And right. it, it works out at the end. That's well, at great. least it for me. Yeah. So uh, you competed for a number of years and you're still competing in aesthetic gymnastics uh, as part of that team. Uh, but now you're also doing some coaching and you do master classes and things like that. What has been your experience transitioning from the, the competition side of things to the coaching side? Yeah. So personally, I love coaching. I love children. I love kids. Um, I really want to put the knowledge and the experience I've learned and teach it to others. Because also in Canada, uh, rhythmic gymnastics is not a very popular sport. And I feel like um, some children do really need um, a little push or inspiration because um, compared to, let's say, um, in Russia, rhythmic gymnastics, it's such a typical sport for any young girl. Here, it is a little different. So I feel like having more role models and inspirations and uh, when I coach, I really want to bring that to the kids and kind of explain to them that you should definitely do it for, for the passion, not necessarily for the results and the medals. And for me, that was it. Like my goal was actually to, I never had a goal of going to the Olympics. Kind of, I was just training uh, because I, I loved what I was doing. And I think if you're doing that for like for the right reasons, you can really have like a great athletic career. Right. Now, as a member of a team uh, in rhythmic gymnastics and, and aesthetic gymnastics, um, there's a lot of challenges that just come with being a member of a team because not everyone pulls equal weight. Um, some people are at different skill levels. And so it can be challenging, but that's something that in life we all deal with at some point or another, being part of a team. So talking to the kids on this video today, what advice would you give them as far as how to be a good team member 
regardless of if it's a gymnastics team or some other like a group project at school or something like that, um, how can you be a good team member? Yeah, so for sure. Uh, and team sports are very challenging. Uh, and especially when you're training so many long hours and you're spending so much time together, you of course come across challenges and you bicker and then you have little conflicts. Um, but what I've realized that I think if as every team member, you respect each other, I think um, that will definitely de-escalate some of the conflicts because if you do have some kind of conflict or you're kind of always bickering with someone, uh, it is not gonna go away. And the only way is to sort of have patience and respect each other just as people and as humans. And you gotta really understand where the other person is coming from. So after maybe a long training, like in the heat hours, like many routines, um, some people don't tolerate being um, uh, working out for so many hours as, as well as others. So for example, if someone's tired and let's say they're making mistakes, uh, instead of kind of putting them down, you should try to find a way to help them uh, maybe change their thinking, maybe think more positively, uh, not necessarily arguing, but uh, discussing it calmly. Um, because um, when you're a team and you're constantly fighting, it is going to be so difficult to achieve the results or um, the goal you're trying to get. So I love the suggestion that you need to respect one another. And that starts with understanding one another. When you were on a team at a competitive level, what were some of the things that you did to get to know your teammates better so that you could understand them and, and thereby have that respect for them? Yeah, so because as a team, we um, most of the time we just see each other in the gym or in the tra training facility that you are. So what really helps is actually um, after training or finding some time uh, outside of your training schedule and just spending time together like as a team. Uh, maybe have a sleepover, maybe go to the movies. And also when we travel uh, abroad for competitions and we're rooming together, those are also very important moments because we're bonding. And it's just slowly you're building chemistry and relationship. And it's obviously not going to happen right away. It does take time. And the more you are together, uh, the better it actually is. The stronger bond you have and uh, the better you, you get to know each other. Yeah, that's really great advice. I think we can all be better team members, uh, regardless of if we're competing in sport or if we're just working in class or doing something else. So fantastic advice. Angelica, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today to hear a little bit about what you're doing and, and your Olympic journey. Um, if kids want to see your TikTok videos or see you on Instagram, where, where's the best place for them to connect with you? Okay, so for my TikTok, um, my name on it is gel.bell. So the way that's spelled is J-E-L period and bell, which is B-E-L. And then I'm also on Instagram and that username is different. So it's actually twinyrez. So it, you just spell twin, a Y and R-E-Z for my last name, which is Resnick. So, Perfect. And then you can find me there. Um, you can even message me. I would love to answer any of your questions that you have for me as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today on Virtual School Assembly. 
If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen to virtual assemblies. And leave us a rating and review so we know what you learned and took away from this virtual assembly. Videos and show notes are found at virtualschoolassembly.com. And if you're a school leader and you're looking for a speaker for virtual or traditional in-school assemblies, or if you're looking for some teacher training, I'd love to connect with you to see how I can help. You can check out my website at tylerchristiansen.com. Thanks. You are super duper. Let's go out and make the world a better place. Bye-bye.